Welcome to the Ghost Gold Podcast. We have a new World Cup winner. The 2018 World Cup champions are France. It returns to France for a second time. Thank you for listening to the Ghost Gold Podcast. I'm Andrew. He's Alex. Allez les bleus. I mean, I'm wearing blue. It's a different blue. We'll talk about that in a moment. What a tournament. You know, I was skeptical about this tournament being in Russia. I know I've said this on the pod before, and I'll probably say it again. But, well, actually, no, I can't. The tournament's officially over. R.I.P. What excellent tournament. Uh, We got a final that ended in 90 minutes for the first time since I've been watching the World Cup. We saw a 19-year-old score in the World Cup final, which is the first time that anyone's had that kind of impact since Pelé in 1958. It was... Pelé. Whatever. You know what I mean. Put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Well, no. Some some <laughs> some of the Brazilians call him Pelé. Some of them call him Pelé. Like it all depends on you know where you. Do you call from. him Fijip Coutinho? Uh, I mean, if I, I would, if I knew how to speak Portuguese, but I don't. <laughs> they have, they have a lot of weird pronunciations. Oh, they do. Yeah, they, they totally do. They totally do. Uh, but let's let's start it off. Uh, we'll talk about Belgium England momentarily. Obviously, Belgium getting a two 0 victory over England, seeing them finish officially third place. But France, 4-2 over Croatia, one of the highest-scoring finals I've seen just in general in soccer. Like, you don't usually... In the modern era. Yeah, and I'm not talking about international. I'm talking about, like, just... You usually don't see a shootout, quote-unquote, like this uh, in a final. Game started with uh, Mandzukic's own goal in the 18th minute off a free kick from Antoine Griezmann. Ivan Perisic, who was a terror down the wings for Croatia, equalizing the 20th minute. Antoine Griezmann with a penalty in the 38th minute, which was ruled to be a handball on Perisic after a VAR. Uh, then we saw Paul Pogba get on, in on the action in the 59th minute. Kylian Mbappe with a very, very nice finish in the 65th minute. And Mario Mandzukic, uh, after tapping one in after pressuring Hugo Lloris, for what absolutely has to be considered a howler for uh, for for Loris. and the Croatians tried to challenge a little bit after that. It certainly you know wasn't over over, but that was all she wrote. And uh, I gambled and I lost on Sunday morning at eleven o'clock. But it's okay because I went to Secrets for the first time afterwards, and it's the greatest bar in the history of bars. And I want my ashes sprinkled there. So, yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, it was that great, Alex. It was, How long did you wait in line to get in? Uh, zero minutes and zero seconds. And we got really? we got a table at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday. It was 80 degrees outside, and I probably had about four frozen orange crushes. Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. Uh, no, we were there Sunday. We were there Sunday. Sunday afternoon scene at Secrets. Can't. Big fan. Big fan. A uh, lot of fun. Beach was a lot of fun. But the final was, you know... I was disappointed because I was obviously rooting for Croatia, but the game as itself was a fantastic match. Um, just back and forth, it was open. It wasn't contentious. Even though Croatia, my, you know, we, we talked about how many minutes that were on those legs. They still went for it. They didn't try to play like a counterattack game. They didn't try to play park the bus. They went for it. And you know what? They left it all on the field, and there were no major injuries either. So... Alex, uh, how did you how did you feel about the game on Sunday? Rooting is a strong word, but I was kind of rooting for Croatia to sort of upset things because everyone obviously was going into the game thinking France was going to, me included, everyone just thought France were going to get another 1-0, 
kind of like shut the game down, not really allow it to be, uh, not, not really to take too many risks. And though France did start off like rather defensively, and as you said, Croatia were far more the like, the aggressive of the two. Uh, you kind of felt as like it kept it kept going at nil nil. Obviously, only into the 18th minute, but Croatia had like a flurry of chances right at the beginning that you thought to yourself, like, "Oh my gosh, if they're going to win this game, they have to take one or two of these and put France in a position where they're the ones who have to come out and like expose themselves defensively." Griezmann dives for that uh, that free kick that uh, eventually leads to the uh, Mansukic's own goal. You feel pretty hard done by if you're rooting for Croatia there, and you know, even though like I, from the start of the knockouts, had picked France to win the World Cup, and with that in the back of my mind, was thinking I, I want to be partially right here. I was kind of thinking when that goal, that first goal went in, I was thinking, oh god, there goes, there goes this final. It's just going to be boring one nil from here on out. And Croatia, time after time, we've seen them do it so many times this tournament, came back and got themselves back in the game. And then the whole game flips on its head with that VAR decision, which I don't know where you stand on it, but initially I saw it and thought it's harsh for everyone rooting for Croatia, rooting for the underdog. But as I watch it over and over and over again, I just, it would be more upsetting to me if that was not given as a penalty than if it, uh, it had to be called. It had to be called. It was, it was a penalty. It was a handball. And I was it hoping was, you would come from the other side there because <laughs> everyone I speak to like thinks it wasn't a fan ball. No, and... it sucks. It sucks that it was. It's unfortunate, but it was. It was a handball. Like you got to call a spade a spade. And um... well, the question is: Was his hand in an unnatural position? And people have made the made the case that it wasn't in an unnatural position. We're talking about even Perisic here, who. Uh, who handballed it and gave away the penalty. Uh, he, they were saying it wasn't in an unnatural position because he was jumping. And because he's jumping, you have your arms up in the air. But that I I kind of understand. But after watching it over and over again, you see the ball. It comes in from the right wing. Matuidi is in front of Perisic, which is why Perisic isn't expecting it to get through. It kind of glances off the top of Matuidi's head or back or something like that. And as soon as it glances off Matuidi, Perisic has his hand up by his head and he moves it down to stop the stop the ball from going any further and going into the six-yard box. And from that point, it hits his leg and goes out of bounds. The, the referee didn't even see that initial play. He just saw it hit uh, – no, he saw it hit Matuidi and he ruled it a goal kick. So that shows right away that the ref had no idea – uh, what he had seen. So VAR, I think, was rightfully called in, even if you don't think it was a uh, a handball. You can't deny that it hit Perisic. So it should have been a a, a, a corner kick at worst for those uh, for those people who didn't think it should have been a penalty. I'm going to post a, uh, my, my favorite GIF that's just literally the contact over and over again from a view that's uh, like from the touchline. I'll post that to the Ghost Call Twitter. I'm going to throw I'm going to throw it out there because. That that turned the, the game on its head, and to come yeah. back once against France was tough enough for Croatia. But you know, you asked them to do it twice, and they've, as you mentioned before, those minutes on their legs. They've played the equivalent of a, a full another full game more than France has because they've played three extra times, all equaling thirty minutes each. Math that equals ninety minutes. We're not good at that sometimes, but we got it right here. <laughs> yeah. And uh, 
But yeah, follow us on Twitter at Ghost Gold Pod at Andrew Passaro at ASMoss92. Like we said, like Alex said, we'll have that GIF up there for you. I, I'm not gonna sit here and argue that, um, but I, I do want to talk a moment about just the youth on this French team. Uh, I mean, Paul Pogba. Whether you still consider him a young, he's a younger player. Um, but you look at Mbappe, who gets that goal that absolutely sealed the cake. Um, he was fantastic again, uh, and that was a great shot. Like, there's a lot of forwards, there's a lot of professional strikers who wouldn't have been able to sink that ball. Well, I was, um, I was, I was saying to you before we started recording that uh, I was watching the game with uh, my cousin Connor, who played semi-professionally in Ireland, played over here in college uh, in Iowa. And as soon as that, that fourth goal went in, he just turns to me and just goes, okay, Subasic is still injured. Because I, I think he picked up the injury against Russia, yep. uh, saved a couple of penalties to get them to get them through, but Russia mostly missed their penalties. Then in the England game, England had one shot on goal, which was the Trippier free kick. And then they never, they never tested Subasic after that. And France score four goals. Obviously, one's a penalty, but... That that Mbappe shot was it, it was good. I, I'll definitely give him it, but I think most goalkeepers, Subasic especially, get down. Usually, if he's healthy, he gets down quickly and he palms that just wide, or maybe he even palms it into his own net if it's got too much pace on it. Uh, the Pogba one, I don't think he had a proper uh, look at it. You know, the, the, it was blocked initially, right? Screened by his own defenders, blocked by uh, blocked uh, initially, and then Pogba gets the quick follow up that he just sort of snapshots quickly into the back of the net. There's nothing he could have done about that. Nothing he could have done about the uh, the penalty, I'll say, and then nothing he could have done about the own goal. Though defensively, they could have done something about it. So, yeah, it, it only really ends up harming them for one goal. But you know, I think France showed the the key to attacking Croatia. You. You have to create good chances, and you have to uh, you just have to put them. You just have to test the keeper when he's injured like that. England weren't able to do that; they were they messed around with it a bit too much. You have to capitalize, but like we said, Mbappe was fantastic. Pavard and Lucas Hernandez, the fullbacks, were both excellent in this whole tournament. I we you know we had questions about France walking into this tournament. This was a team that was a blend of youth and experience, guys who were a part of the the team that lost the 2016 Euro final. And the big question was, how was this team going to mesh together? How were they going to fit? And, And in the group stages, they certainly didn't look anything prolific. And then the game against Argentina happens. And I think that, I mean, that's where you picked them to win the whole thing. And before that, but yeah, well, yeah, but the, the match against Argentina was certainly the turning point. They weren't always the most aesthetically pleasing team to watch in this tournament, but they got it done. And I mean, you look, I mean, we, we knew about this team ahead of the tournament. You look at the guys from France who didn't make the world cup. We're talking like Alexander Alacazette. We're talking, um, Martial Coleman, Mar- Martial Coleman. That's a front three that easily could have gotten to the quarterfinals. Sure. Uh, you look at some of the midfielders that they didn't include. <laughs> no, no defensive work rate in any of those players, which I think is a, uh, a reason <laughs> yeah, why they probably. weren't there. <laughs> probably why, uh, but you you look at you look at this the depth that France has, and it's like this team had all the pieces that you needed to win. It was whether they were going to get it done, and, and they did get it done, and and it showed 
also in the awards and the team in the tournament. Uh, golden ball goes to Luka Modric, which I think was absolutely deserved. I, for me, best player in the tournament was so good throughout the whole thing. But then you see Eden Hazard getting the silver ball. You see Griezmann getting the bronze ball. Kylian Mbappe getting the golden ball. Golden glove goes to Courtois. But we would have seen Lloris would have been in the, in the running for that. I thought Mbappe easily was one of the top five players in the tournament. Obviously, sure. he's the best young player, but had to be a top five player. N'Golo Conte doesn't get up there, but they, France doesn't win this tournament without N'Golo Conte's work rate. Uh, I mean, that, that was an interesting storyline uh, post-final. I, I was looking around to the 55th minute when Deschamps took Conte off, and we were all wondering to ourselves, like, why is he taking N'Golo Conte off with the game only at, I think it was 2-1 at the time? Yep. And then they found out after the tournament that he was like cripplingly ill going into that game. He had like gastroenteritis or something like that, which is just like terrible diarrhea and vomiting. And he played 55 minutes and got a yellow card. I thought that was the, the, the initial reason why they took him off. He wasn't his usual like amazing self. It looked like he was kind of struggling like that half step a bit too slow where he's usually so uh, quick to react to players like Modric and Rakitic in midfield. But... I think it, it follows a theme in this tournament that Deschamps, Didier Deschamps, France's manager, was he was prepared to make the very difficult personnel decisions, and whether and that starts from picking the team uh, for the picking the twenty-two players, four or twenty-four players, whatever it is, for the tournament, and leaving out so many great names, and including players, some players we hadn't even heard of, like uh, like Pavard. Most people were wondering where he fits into this team. Uh, and he made the decision to leave out from the starting 11 someone like Usman Dembele instead to play Olivier Giroud. And, you know, Giroud, when you look at his tournament as a whole, individually, you think he had a bad tournament. But in his role for this France team, he played it perfectly. He didn't have a shot on goal, didn't score at all, had one, had a couple of assists and had a couple of great uh Moments in built or in on the counter attack where he, he fed his teammates to, to score goals, but uh, individually he wasn't great. But for the for the rest of the the team, the likes of him and Blaise Matuidi on the wing, and like I said, Pavard like kind of shoehorned into right back is more of like a reliable like safe option rather than like someone like Sidibe who would bomb up and down the wing and be far more attacking. If they hadn't if they hadn't won this World Cup, everyone would turn to Deschamps and say. Uh, myself included, and they would bring up the whole thing about the, him playing Musa Sissoko in the Euros two two years ago, and say, "Look, he's done it again. He's tried to he's tried to like tinker with this team when it like the 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 simple thing would have done it." But you know, he he made these tough decisions, and he stood by them, and he, it's paid dividends. He, he he knew that with all the defense, the great defensive players he had, and the great defensive midfielders he had, he could form a strong, solid base uh, defensively. And he could rely on the likes of Griezmann and Mbappe and and on set pieces and Titi Varane, uh, the, the, those kinds of players, to get the one or two goals they need every like in a game to, to win them. And then they even showed us in this game and then the Argentina game that when you open the game up a little bit, France are fine to play like that too. That's That's absolutely fine with them. They'll score four goals... Too, if you want them to, I, I I think I have to I think I have to apologize to Didier Deschamps. I have to I was very critical of him going into this tournament, and he got it completely right, one hundred percent. 
Yeah, they really, they really did. Uh, let's let's talk about that golden ball, silver ball, bronze ball. Uh, top three players in the tournament: Modric, Hazard, and Griezmann. You agree with that? Is there anybody else you would put up there? Do you think that should get in there? I obviously said that um, Mbappe was, for me, a top five player. I don't know if you put him up there in the top three. I think they got it spot on, but who else would you want to put in that conversation? I don't know if there's anyone else I want to put in in that conversation for top three. I agree with you. It looks like they got it right. There's an argument to be had, Mbappe over Griezmann, but I think at the end of the day... uh, Griezmann scored more important goals. He did. I mean, especially in the early rounds. And in a tournament where there proved to be way more penalties, obviously due to VAR, Griezmann was the very cool, calm head who stepped up every single time to, to... to make his, uh, we saw we saw penalties absolutely derail the tournaments of teams like Peru and uh, I'm sure I could come up with plenty of other examples, but they they escape me at the moment. But you know, penalties they swung the momentum of, of many games, and, and Griezmann was a dependable uh, force at, at the spot throughout this tournament, and obviously on the counterattack and defensively too. The one I was actually surprised with, pleasantly surprised with, was Hazard getting the, the silver ball, second best player at the tournament. I thoroughly agree with that. I'm slightly biased, but I thoroughly agreed with that. And I, I never dreamed that uh, Hazard would get in over even like Romelu Lukaku, who had more goals, I think had the same amount of assists as uh, Eden Hazard. But, you know, Hazard wasn't really scoring in the later rounds of the of the competition. He he was he was playing really well and was probably Belgium's best player throughout the, the throughout their run in the knockout rounds. But he wasn't scoring the goals. So I, I feared that he might not make it in. But I'm, 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 I'm happy to, to be wrong. In terms of golden boy, young best young player at the tournament, Mbappe won this head and shoulders above anybody. I was about to say, do they even include like a. Uh, like a, a like a list of other considered players because I can't even think like who else would be who else would be in there. I mean, the other two French youngsters who I would name would be Lucas Hernandez and uh, Pavard. Pavard's only twenty two, but they weren't obviously better than uh, clearly weren't better than Mbappe. Uh, you look at Belgium; it was a team predominantly of veterans. England they had some youngsters on the team, but not who were really like key players. Um, then looking further back, maybe you're talking about a couple of guys in that Uruguay midfield. Yeah, none stand out. But none stand out. Brazil didn't use any youngsters. Uh, Russia, Sweden, England. I already mentioned England. Like maybe maybe Golovin from Russia. Yeah, I mean, if if Mexico beats Brazil, then I think Chucky Lozano is in the conversation. But to get only get to the quarterfinal. Or only to get to the round of sixteen, I think you needed to be a part of a team that needs to be. A he was like the sexy dark horse preseason pick, or pre-tournament pick that people were saying, "Oh, do you want like a dark horse for golden boy pick uh, Lozano?" That's this is the second tournament in a row that France have had the best young player at the tournament. Pogba won it last time, yeah. So and it doesn't look like uh, the the French uh, talent machine is slowing down anytime soon. No, it's only going to get worse for us. So or better, depending on your point of view. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's that's the, yeah. Depending. On do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about Croatia a little bit? Uh, just like their 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 I final uh, their were, tournament overall. They've deserved it. 
there are a bunch of guys who I was clearly impressed with. Um, but I mean, I think a lot of these guys. I mean, we they talk about golden generation for Belgium a lot going into this tournament. But you look at the golden generation for Croatia is another thing we need to to address here because this is probably going to be the last tournament, last World Cup at the minimum for guys like Rakitic, Modric, Mandzukic. Uh, all like Mandzukic is 32. He's probably done with the world with being a part of the national team at this point. Uh, Modric is 32. Rakitic is 30. So maybe we're talking about with, with Modric and Rakitic, you're talking about a team that you're going to see guys at the Euros in a couple years. Um, I was a little disappointed. We didn't see more of Marco Piaka, the winger from Juventus. I think he only came on in the final and a couple other games, but he wasn't a major player. I was really impressed with Brozovic over the whole tournament. Kovacic coming in off the bench. He's going to have to step up for this team. But the guy I loved watching the most after Modric in this tournament was Perisic. He was, I think, if like the next Croatian that you're putting in in like the top whatever of the tournament is was Perisic. He pushed so hard up and down that left wing. The entire tournament was creating space, was creating goals, putting shots on target. There were games where that I watched them where if he wasn't on the field, they weren't winning the game. And uh, I was I was really pleased to see Modric get player of the tournament, but Perisic was just as important for them. And the back line was great too. I mean, Dejan Lovren had a fantastic tournament. Uh, Strinich was okay when he got out there. Vita really impressed a lot of teams, and he could be up for a move now. He's only been at Besiktas since January, and he could move. Uh, Verslanko from Atletico Madrid was very good. Um, and Subasic, uh, didn't realize that he's 33 right now. This is definitely, like, there's going to be a huge changing of the guard for this Croatian team, but there are some guys to watch out that are still on the come up, um, namely Rebic, who had a very good tournament, the winger from Eintracht Frankfurt. I expect he'll get a move now. Frankfurt were good last season. Their manager is now going to be at Bayern Munich. He had a fantastic tournament. Uh, like I said, Piaka, watch out for him. Kovacic, we've all known about him at 24, being at Real Madrid. I think he's going to leave this summer because, you know, he should be starting. He has the quality to be starting, and he's just kind of lost in the uh, lost in the rotation of a team like Real Madrid. I know that there's a lot going on in Madrid right now, but those three players are guys that you're going to watch because we're going to see the end of, of Perisic, Rakitic, and Modric sooner rather than later. Perisic is still only 29. It'll be 30 next February, but uh, they just had some games where they were a lot of fun to watch. Name, I mean, the, their win against Argentina is one of my favorite games for this entire tournament. I, the shock value of it, uh, their performance... Uh, Rakitic and, and Modric just absolutely picking the Argentinian team apart was fantastic. It's it's one of those games where you know people just think, oh, Messi, Ronaldo, that's all you need on a team. And that was the type of game where it's like, no, 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 no. This is why you need to have a great midfield is because this is what you can do with it. When you have guys who can put the ball anywhere on the field, this is what you can do. He was telling against England, too, in that semifinal where, I mean, everyone was highlighting going into that game that was going to be a, a danger area for England, whether that they could lose control of the game as they sort of started to tire. And obviously Croatia were very uh, well adapted to playing longer games 
playing into extra time, everything like that. And they just use their possession in midfield, but those world-class players they have to sort of put a stranglehold in the game. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to also highlight uh, Mandzukic and Perisic and Rebic a little bit. Also, Andre Kramaric, who was not really starting consistently throughout the tournament, but had a couple of goals, scored in the quarterfinal against Russia to uh, equalize for Croatia. And I think he scored once or twice, in, or maybe, I think once in the group stage too. Uh, he was a good sort of second, more out-and-out striker kind of option for Croatia when they needed a goal, while Mandzukic was kind of playing in the similar role to Olivier Giroud, where he was listed as a center forward and he spent most of his time centrally up top, but you'd see him drop in a little bit, hold the ball up to to help or give a little bit of time to Rebic and Perisic to help get upfield, and he'd just combine with them. Perisic played what effectively was the left-sided role that, or sorry, a similar role to Mbappe where that he played for France on the right, but Perisic was playing on the left. You're basically a winger that's essentially a second striker, and you're, he, they were busting their lungs to get forward while Giroud and Mandzukic uh, held the ball up for France and Croatia, respectively. And they were the they were the very sharp spear to the <laughs> to the attack of their respective teams. I I love Perisic. He's a former center forward who scored something like thirty goals when he played in Belgium for uh, for Genk a few years ago. Uh, the Italian team saw his his attacking talent and brought him brought him to Italy and. With his pace, he got stuck out on the wing, but he never lost his knack for scoring goals and coming in late and hunting around the back post and feeding off crosses like he did for that goal in the semifinal against England. He's going to be an excellent weapon for any team that decides to buy him, and I hope it's not United because he could be absolutely lethal I don't think he'll them. leave Inter. I, I hope you're right. I, can, I think they could challenge for the league with him still on the team. Well, they're in the Champions League, so it's not like United coming in for him. Yeah, but it's... It's uh He was linked to United, but you got to remember he was linked to United before they bought Alexis Sanchez. He so can play on the left I or the right, though. I he, get that. I get that. But then, where are you going to play Marcus Rashford? You're not. That's and... what. That's the answer. You're not. Uh, yeah. This is well, Jose Mourinho. We're talking about Andrew. <laughs> you, you, you sound like you act like he's afraid to bench a promising young player and not give him time to develop. <laughs> yeah. Well. I mean, if he wasn't afraid to do that, you guys never would have gotten the. Uh, Mohamed Salah, so yeah, you should you should like Mourinho for that. That's that that is that is very fair. Uh, we'll talk about transfers. No, later. we're not. Get out of here. Uh, <laughs> this is a World Cup podcast. Don't bring that club football bullshit into here. This is my safe space, Andrew. I don't want to talk about Chelsea. I don't want to talk about any club football. You know you're coming to Liverpool, <laughs> Alisson. <laughs> My Shout out to the Heights uh, Men's true. Choir. <laughs> Shout out to the Heights Men's was, Choir uh, for teaching Andrew how to sing. I was bumping that today. <laughs> I was bumping that today. Um, all right, let's get to the real, the nitty, the gritty. We talked about it on Twitter. We got catfished on it about Twitter. At Andrew Passaro, at ASMOS92, at Ghost Gold Pod. Uh, we want to go through and talk about a team of the tournament. Well, and we're gonna, Why don't we we're do gonna, ours first, our individual layout, yeah, our roles, and then we'll go to the, the, the overall, what we think the team of the, the tournament should be without our rules. So, OG, original gangster Ghost Gold Pod rules were no more than three players from a club. But Alex decided to make it harder today. Okay, I didn't decide to make it harder. I thought we only did one player per club. 
for Premier League team of the season. When you texted me, I had just woken up this morning, and I'm not going to lie, so I was home for a few days. Uh, I slept at a different location every single day. It was four straight days of couch surfing, large consumptions of alcohol, a little bit of gambling. I hit a trifecta on vices, let's let's say this weekend. Uh, So what I will say was... I, I filled my team out, and then I looked at Alex's, and it was it was very very similar. But one team, po- one player per uh, per team. So, what Alex came up with? Yeah, one player per team. It makes it really difficult. It makes you it, was, it makes you weigh up like whose performances for their respective team were more important than like others, and. I mean, the whole purpose of it was to bring in players that probably wouldn't have made the the team otherwise. Um, so I had Casper Schmeichel in goal, uh, which you know leaves out Courtois, Loris, Subasic, but all for obvious reasons that you'll see in a second. I had Kieran Trippier at right back for obviously from England. My two centre backs were Yeri Mina of Colombia. Had those three very important goals, topping all uh, goals for defenders. Uh, and then I had Diego Godin from Uruguay. And left back, Ludwig Augustinsson from uh, Sweden. Thought he was excellent down that left wing while Forsberg was uh, cutting in and playing a bit more centrally. And Augustinsson had to obviously defend very uh, resolutely for Sweden, but he had to have a very much higher work rate than their right back and get up to sort of support in attack. Defensive midfield, there's, there's only one answer. It's it's Lord N'Golo. Yeah. Uh, quick aside, can I just say my heart was so happy on Monday morning when Reddit, the Reddit soccer uh, subreddit, was just filled with N'Golo Kante appreciation posts, and the France team was just posting all of these videos of them like ambushing N'Golo Kante with songs and like singing the song at the Champs Elysees and everything like that. It was amazing. Did you see the, the, the thing about him and Steven Zanzi? Yes. And it honestly... Hold on, hold on. Let me tell everybody. So I saw it on Twitter late on Sunday afternoon, and it was something... I don't have the direct tweet in front of me, but it was... Conte was too, like... Shy. And shy to go up and ask for the for the trophy to take a picture with it so he had to ask steven zanzi to go ask the other guys no, to get i don't think the he trophy. i don't think he asked steven zanzi i think zanzi just noticed that ngolo kante one of their best players hadn't taken a picture with it yet and he just grabbed it from the other uh the players who were like i guess in line to take a picture with the trophy and he just <laughs> forced it into kante's hands he goes all right ngolo you t- you sit down you take a picture but you know that was like the that was like one of the earlier things that came out but then yeah, it's it's just great to see Ngolo finally get the recognition he deserves. Like he finally has a song, and I really hope that Chelsea fans learn the French words to that song, so that we can sing it at Stamford Bridge this season. <laughs> it's going to be we've got to add that to the repertoire. Uh, the other midfielders I had, midfielders I had, uh, obviously Luka Modric can't leave him out. Uh, Philippe Coutinho from Brazil, and my my three forwards, uh, left forward Cristiano Ronaldo. Right forward, Denis Cheryshev of Russia, scored four goals at the tournament. Two of them were absolute screamers. Uh, I think that that goal against uh, Croatia in the quarterfinal, that's one of my favorite goals of the, of the tournament. I don't think it's like the best goal of the tournament, but it's one of my favorite goals of the tournament. It was just so damn audacious. And then center forward, Romelu Lukaku. It, it felt bad to leave Eden out, but 
in a tournament that saw not the most goals of any World Cup. It was like 165, and the record is 173 or 74 or something like that. But it was a tournament made for center forwards. Obviously, Harry Kane got the golden boot, but I thought at the end of the day for his contributions to Belgium, beating the likes of uh, coming back against Japan and then beating uh, Brazil, uh, I thought Lukaku deserved to be in there for sure. All right, so the only changes that I had to Alex's was I didn't have Cherishev, I didn't have Ronaldo, I did have Ronaldo, not initially. I didn't have Cherishev, and I didn't have Ludwig Alstenson. I picked Mario Fernandez, one of the fullbacks from the Russia team. But left back, uh, be- you picked him? Yeah. He's not I a left back, he's a side. right back. I, I understand that, but I play by my own rules, and I put oh, in Leo okay. Messi up top. Oh, look at you. Look how cool you are. Yeah. I'm putting right backs at left back. Okay. Hey, Jurgen Klopp played James Milner at left back for an entire season and finished in the top four. I can do what I fucking want, Alex. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would have understood uh, if you said, like, Ashley Young because he actually played left back the whole tournament. I thought about Ashley Young. I thought about Harry Maguire. um, But I, I wanted Messi in my team. I thought while Argentina disappointed... I still thought he had some moments that if this was the team that we were going to put together, I still wanted him to be a part of it. Uh, I thought his goal against Nigeria was absolute world-class. He's one of very few players at this tournament who would have been able to pull it off. Um, I agree with you on Lukaku. He was one of my first names on my team sheet. Uh, Absolute bulldozer of a a, uh, center forward. Came up with the same midfield right away. Modric, Coutinho, Conte was fantastic. A lot of fun to watch. So let me pose you a quick question. Who do you think had a better tournament between the two of Neymar and Lionel Messi? Oh, Lionel Messi. You think so? Absolutely. What, what, what makes you What makes you think that? I thought that we knew Argentina was only going to go as far as... Messi dragged them. Similarly and to Brazil. I but I would have agreed with that, but I didn't even think that Neymar was close to Brazil's best player. So I it's more ex- it's more of a it's more to do with Brazil letting down from high expectations, whereas with Argentina you sort of expected them to sort of go out in like the first knockout round. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I just I, thought, I, I would understand I, I also, if I felt like there was games where Lionel Messi was like the best player on the field, but I don't think for any of Argentina's four games, Lionel Messi was the best player on the field. I Not think he once. Was in Nigeria, but I think the other the other reason I'm, I have him up there was the rallying to come back from that game against Croatia, and then to have the performance they did against Nigeria. And yes, they got outclassed in the French game, but they kept it up throughout the whole game. Like they were second best, but they still left everything that they had in the field. We know that this wasn't at the Argentinian. This you know that this wasn't the Argentinian team from 2014. Uh, they were still playing Javier Mascherano at defensive midfielder for God's Ball. sakes. Uh, <laughs> I could have been running laps around Javier Mascherano at this World Cup. I'm in zero percent good shape right now. Uh, that's why I have him up there. And 
Neymar for me, if I had a, if we were going to make an eleven of players who disappointed me at this World Cup, Neymar is the first name on the team sheet. I look at, I'm going to remember Neymar more for the 2018 World Cup for rolling around on the damn pitch than I am for a goal, for an assist, for a moment of magic. All of those moments for Brazil came from one player, and his jersey it would be hanging in the closet, except it's still at my parents' house. But oh, I thought you would have burned it by now. I no, I'm not one to burn it. I just I just need a lot of time. You know, half, I half just the time, time of the time we were together. <laughs> That's how. I mean, you, we all know rules for how to get over an ex. It's it's uh, some people. It's one week for every month you were together. For other people, it's half the time of the relationship. For other people, it's ten thousand beers. Whatever comes for like no, no matter how long it takes. I'm probably at the for ten thousand beer it's limit. The next hole they see. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, I'm still emotionally recovering from Felipe Coutinho leaving. But he was the best Brazilian player at this World Cup. Oh, undoubtedly, yeah. And and I was – if I was him, I'd be looking around and saying, why is everybody talking about Neymar being the best Brazilian? Because last I checked, I'm more important. Do you know what was was dangling there perfectly for you? You should have. You should have gone with. If I'm Philip Coutinho, I'm looking around and I'm thinking, man, I need to demand a transfer to a better team. <laughs> <laughs> no, Philippe, you're on Brazil. This is the better team. <laughs> this is it. Allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> uh, let's talk about our our full team of the season. Full team of the tournament. We're going to go position by position and debate a couple of names. No restrictions. Uh, Leave the restrictions. Yeah, no out. restrictions here. Uh, goalkeeper. We got Tibor Corta, Hugo Lloris, uh, or Subasic. Um, I was impressed by the first two. The one I'll probably remember moments the most from will be Subasic, and it's because of the, the penalties. Right. The guy's a monster on penalties, and that proved to be the absolute like defining factor to them making the run to the final, uh, obviously along with their attacking talent. I, I think what's holding the likes of Courtois and Loris back for me in this is that Loris was obviously playing behind just one of the like the one of the best defenses we've seen. Uh, actually, I won't even go that far because they did concede three goals to Argentina and two to Croatia. Uh, but he was playing behind a hell of a defense. He got his uh, his, his little typical Loris whiff uh, mess up at the end of that of that final there that he usually has every single time he plays for any extended period of time. Um, but that didn't seem to matter. Yeah, it just felt like the likes of Kante, Varane, and Titi were more responsible for France's defensive solidity than it was for Loris, but he undoubtedly had a very good tournament. And Courtois only kept he kept two or three clean sheets. Uh, two of them were against England in the last game of the knockout, or sorry, the last game of the group stage and the last game, uh, the third place game, obviously this past weekend. And then I think the other one was against uh, Panama in the opener. But, you know, Great tournament for, uh, or sorry, great game for him against Brazil, which I think what has like vaulted him into this conversation. But yeah, Super Six seems to be the the outstanding player of those three. Right back, we got Kieran Trippier, Pavard versus Slanko for Salco in Croatia versus Salco. <laughs> yeah, there's no end in there. I don't know how I'm fucking that one up. Um, I was, uh, you know, I was impressed with Kieran Trippier throughout the Premier League season, and I gained a little bit more respect for him again at this World Cup. I thought he was really good. Pavard, though, 22 kids over at Stuttgart right now. 
I find it hard to believe that he's not going to get uh, transferred after this World Cup. Uh, the rumor is I, that he's going to join Bayern at the end of this season. Interesting. Inter- and they do need a right back, which would allow them to move Kimmich back into midfield, which they're going to need help before. Uh, I'm... I'm I want to go give it to Pavard, to be honest. Uh, I didn't know anything about him going into this tournament. If he was, you know, if France bails out of this tournament, uh, you're talking about him as being one of those guys that what was Deschamps thinking, and he clearly showed that this young player has what it takes. So he's, for me, it's him. But was still very impressed with the other two candidates. So I would have Trippier, Tripp- to be honest. And, you know, I'm not one to praise England players at all, but. I thought that was a stroke of genius by uh, Gareth Southgate. I, I thought, considering the momentum of individual players going to the tournament, we would have seen Alexander Arnold play there. Is just just what exactly what you want from uh, from a typical wing back is uh, pace, work rate, uh, legs for days, can run up and down and defend, and then get back up the field and join in the attack. And that was Alexander Arnold all season uh, or all or for this whole second half of the season for Liverpool. And, uh, but Trippier, he, he was preferred, uh, I think rightly for uh, his, his chemistry with so many other Tottenham players in that lineup. And obviously his technical ability to sort of put balls on a plate for the likes of Harry Kane and, and Deli Alley. And I don't think he put a foot wrong like the all tournament every time every time you watched England you would see you would see mistakes in midfield maybe giveaways every now and then but anytime the ball was fed out to the right wing he was just he was just so dependable and so good defensively that I I think he's the only choice to be honest I know we put those other those other two players in there with him but I think a lot of people would agree that Trippier was the outstanding right back of this tournament Let's go to center back. I'm going to give you the two options that we came up with, but there's other two names I want to address, and that's Mina and Varane getting into our team at the tournament. Uh, also very impressed with Diego Godin, the ageless wonder. Great, great tournament for him in Uruguay. And uh, my man's day on Lavrin, best defender for me on the Croatian team that gets to the final, which is why I think we're being brought up. I don't. I think of the four of these, he's clearly number four. Yeah. But I think he's he is at the point now where he has seemingly fixed that reputation from that first season at Liverpool where he was hot garbage floating down a river. Was he just the first uh, season at Liverpool? The first season was bad. The second season, once Klopp came in, he improved, but no one gave him credit for it. And then he has really taken strides since... Van Dyke came in. Right. That's, there was still mo- that's the pinnacle. Still- or sorry, that's the, the pivotal right. moment for for his form turning around. Uh, but I, I thought he was very good at this tournament. Um, but I, I I don't I don't think that he deserves to be in the team of the tournament. I think he deserves an honorable mention. If you're looking at it from uh, like just straight up for their skills as defenders. I think you would pick Varane and Godin to get into this team. Yeah, I would. But agree. then Yeri Mina came in with those three goals in three consecutive games that were all absolutely pivotal. Uh, yep. The first one came and against. He- oh, who was it against? Because he had the. Oh God! Why am I? Okay, so the first goal he scored was Poland. against Poland. Yeah, in the three-nil win. Then he scored in the one-nil win over Senegal. 
that had Colombia win the group and secured uh, qualification for them. And then he and then he scored in the 90th minute to against England to eventually get it to penalties. Add to that that he was absolutely immense defensively. I don't think he was quite on the same level as uh, Varane and Godin. He's still susceptible to a, a mistake here and there. But those three pivotal goals from a defender in a, in a four a four game tournament that it turned out to be for Colombia that that puts him in ahead of Godin for me. Then we go to left back. Uh, we go not a lot of the options. Name I came up. Yeah, not a lot of options. Uh, but I, I think it's Lucas Hernandez, uh, hands down. Um, you look at Russia and you look at England, or you look at Russia, England, Belgium, all playing with wing backs in this situation. <laughs> Uh, we could have put Ashley Young in this conversation. He did have his moments where he was very good. I thought Lucas Hernandez, though, as a whole, had a better tournament. And the other name that we bring up is Gallardo from Mexico, again, who is good. I don't think he was better than Lucas Hernandez. Well, yeah, evidently. Uh, Lucas Hernandez, I think, had a very – the analysis I would give of Hernandez was is, is somewhat similar to that of Trippier. Just dependable, good defensively, but – has the technical ability and the athletic ability to get forward and uh, sort of help the likes of Blaise Matuidi, who's not a very natural uh, left-sided player or left winger in that France team. He's obviously more of a defensive midfielder. Hernandez was the width on that side for them. All right, let's go to the midfield. We came up with Conte, Modric, Coutinho in our individuals, and I want to keep them, but let's start at defensive midfielder. There's two names that you wanted to mention uh, as guys who were honorable mentions. They were never as good as Kante, right, yeah. but honorable uh, Yeah, I wanted to just include uh, Hasebe from uh, Japan. I think he's 33 years old, plays in uh, Germany. I forget which team for. Probably should know that, but whatever. Um, he was absolutely pivotal to mopping up any mistakes that Japan did make going forward, and obviously they're much more of a uh, attacking possession-oriented side. So when you give the ball away, in a team like that, it's so important to have a player that can uh, clean up afterwards. Hasebe was absolutely excellent at that. And Idrissa Gay for Senegal. They obviously didn't get out of the group. Uh, and many people thought they deserved to, especially because they they didn't get out due to too many yellow cards compared to Japan. Uh, and Idrissa Gay was one of the reasons they were so solid defensively. And uh, he gave the freedom to the likes of uh, Mane and, and Saar and everyone to sort of bomb forward. Uh, he was definitely excellent, but the only answer is N'Golo Kante, our Lord and Savior, Lord N'Golo. He was, despite the despite the, the final, being Alex, ill for the Alex, final. You've, t- you've talked about N'Golo Kante a lot over the last, like, 40-some minutes. I, I think they I know. don't. I don't care. He's beautiful. He's he's the he's the perfect defensive midfielder. I'm good, I think I'm going to say it. He's the greatest defensive midfielder of all time. I think that's a little rash. I understand where you're coming uh, from. I mean, name me let's someone better. Mid. Name me someone better. Let's go to, let's go to central no, mid. No, no, so name me someone better. You can't. Sergio Busquets. No, you can't do it. Right, right, because the guy who won a Euros, a World cha- a World Cup, he's another not better Euros, than Angola. Sprinkle in he's not better than how Angola. many how many Champions Leagues and how many La Ligas? Uh, I mean, I don't want to count them up, but Angola will get there on the Champions League front one day. He'll get his he'll get like two Champions Leagues with Chelsea. I'm I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to be in the Champions League for that to happen. I mean, he'll get there. He'll get there next season. There's uh, let's go. 2019. Let's go to central mid. <laughs> Let's go to central mid. 
Luka Modric, obviously, player of the tournament. Um, the only other name to, to bring up is Paul Pogba. Uh, probably the one who gets slighted the most because he had a great tournament, really turned it on down the end. And uh, I saw a tweet today that his leadership skills, they, did, they didn't know where they came from. They came from somewhere, and then the French team went and won the World Cup. I know that he had a player's uh, – um, He's having he had a players only meeting or something in the locker room before one of the big matches towards the end of it. Uh, Paul Pogba was immense, and God, I feel like I need to throw up saying that. I just hope he doesn't bring it to United. Well, okay, um, I've been seeing in a lot of people's teams of the tournament, I've been seeing people pick Pogba over Kante. I, I just I, I don't see how you can do that. I, I think when you come when it comes down to categorizing players for consideration. The reason we talked about Kante along the li- alongside the likes of Hasebe and Idrissa Gay is because they, they were defensive midfielders. They were purely defensive midfielders. Pogba served a defensive function, but he was also like absolutely key playing box-to-box and going forward for them. So you have to sort of consider him more in the conversation with Modric, Coutinho, and De Bruyne. Um, I, I, I kind of wanted to approach this, the, the, the midfield uh, decision, from the, from the standpoint of we have Modric and Coutinho in there, but if you had to if you, okay, if you had to take out Coutinho for either Pogba or De Bruyne, which one would you choose, Pogba or De Bruyne? Because De Bruyne kind of was he, he kind of turned it on later later in the tournament as Roberto Martinez was forced to play him further forward, where he was starting I think the midfield. I'd go De Bruyne. I think I go De Bruyne. I think I would go Pogba. So if I was like leaving Coutinho out, I think I'd go Kante, Modric, Pogba. Yeah, I think I'd go with De Bruyne. I thought he had, in particular, his performance against Brazil was great. Um, he didn't have the World Cup that I thought he would. Um, obviously, Hazard shown a little bit brighter for Belgium, but I think if I was like, I still think I'd want De Bruyne. Uh, I just do. I think there were balls that he would that he played that Modric and Pogba aren't going to play that I'd want them coming from. I disagree. De Bruyne. Pogba was playing audacious passes throughout the tournament. Oh, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that he wasn't, but there were a couple like th- there isn't quite a cross as special as a Kevin De Bruyne across. That you're not getting from, it's, it's, from and you know they France, got a lot of pace France on them. That's that for way. sure. France don't play that way, and that's okay. And that's why Pogba works in that system. You know, it's not you can't just drag one player out of one team and drop him in because teams don't play the same way. It's just it's just the way it is. I I think I'm a little bit more partial to to De Bruyne in that positioning. Let's move to the front line: Mbappe, Lukaku, Hazard. Names that we wanted to. Let's go straight to striker. Lukaku versus Kane. Kane obviously bringing on the golden ball. Um, or bringing on the golden boot, my mistake. Uh, with most goals in the tournament, he did have a fair amount of penalties. Three? But, yeah. yeah. But you gotta... You gotta One deflected off of his, his heel into the back of the net against Panama. Yeah. Um, didn't get on net over the last, like, three games of the tournament, which was a little disappointing for me. Uh, Lukaku, though, I mean... He, I've never seen him play so intense as I did in this tournament. Right? I've never seen him. 
Like, we've talked about him for years as being the guy who can just dominate and be the best striker in the world. And if he brings this style of play to Manchester United, we're in a world of hurt because he looked like a diesel engine who could outrun you, could outjump you, and then on top of that, he puts in that dummy pass on that counter against Japan? Are you kidding me? See, I would. Uh, that was an impressive play, I'll admit. But the one I would point to is the the counterattack against Brazil that led to De Bruyne's goal, which ended up being the winning goal. I have yeah, I, I've yeah, seen well, well, I have seen flashes of that from Lukaku in the past, probably against lesser opposition. But when when it came to him doing that against Brazil in a World Cup quarterfinal, I, uh, that that absolutely just astounded me. I, I was so impressed by that. Um, I think during the, the, the group stage, we saw the, the, a similar Lukaku to what we've seen uh, for United and for Everton in seasons past, where he was able to sort of like beat up against the, the small teams and he's, he's able to take yeah. his chances. And we, 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 we expected that, but going into those, those knockout games, we wanted him to sort of escalate his level a little bit. And he was absolutely able to do that while Kane did score in the uh, score of the penalty against Colombia. That was, that was pivotal. There wasn't really much else to talk about from Kane after that. So I think you have to hand it to Lukaku. The other two spots, the other two spots we should just talk about similarly to midfield because all, all four of these players, it's four players in contention for two spots, left forward and right forward slash left wing, right wing. And the ones we picked were Mbappe on the right and Hazard on the left. Now, I don't think that's really up for debate, but similarly to the other to midfield, the honorable mentions are Perisic and uh, Antoine Griezmann. So and I think Griezmann gets in before I bring Perisic on, even yeah. though I thought Perisic had a great tournament, was fantastic to watch, but Griezmann was so important to France, scoring all the penalties like we already mentioned, uh, being a playmaker, driving the ball up the pitch, the free kicks. I mean, if Mandzukic doesn't get a touch on that, that free kick in the opening minutes of the match in the World Cup final, that's a Griezmann goal, and you're talking about him getting a brace. Uh, after N'Golo Conte, Griezmann's the best French player for me. Uh, and Mbappe is clipping at his heels very, very, very hard right now. But uh, So, thought, so you, think, Mbappe, you think Griezmann should be in ahead of Mbappe? I still think Mbappe impressed more, but I think... But you just said Griezmann the, was the second best player behind Conte. Hold on here, I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking you, you, outside of just this tournament. I'm thinking of all the French football I've watched. Oh, over the okay, past you're three talking about. Okay, years. sorry. Like, like, like if we were gonna do FIFA ratings, you're still gonna give Griezmann yeah, a higher yeah, no, rating okay. than Mbappe. I agree with that sure, but you meant Mbappe was is up there in this tournament, and I think I'd rather start him over Griezmann in this situation. But in his entire career as a player for the French national team. And, and his entire career, I mean, just period of what we've seen to date in 26-ish years. You're going Conte and you're going Griezmann and then I think you're going Mbappe and then you're going Pogba. That's your, your first four French players in order. But, uh, yeah, I leave it as is. <laughs> and, I mean, talk about talk about a, run, a front line. Lukaku, Hazard, Mbappe's. 
It's borderline pornographic. <laughs> yeah. Um, of of this eleven, we've got. So I, I think the general consensus. I think we have one or two positions we disagree on, but superstition goal. Trippier or Pavard at right back, Mina, Varane, Lucas Hernandez, Kante, Modric, Coutinho, Mbappe, Lukaku, Hazard. Which of these do you think will not be in the final, like, official FIFA team of the tournament? Coutinho. Yeah. I, I, think, I think De Bruyne or Pogba will probably edge Coutinho. Coutinho and, and Mina. And- both getting bumped. I think Mina will get in. I think the three goals will get him in. And then the other one I'd say is, I mean, it's definitely going to be Courtois because he won the golden ball. And if there's a, it's a panel of judges, sorry, not golden ball, golden glove. We've both done that. Um, if it's a panel of judges deciding what keeper gets the golden glove, then I'm guessing it's a similar panel of judges that decides what keeper gets into the team of the tournament. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, Lots uh, swirling on the transfer window. Keep a uh, lookout on Twitter because we're throwing out opinions left and right. I was tweeting all day about Allison. Uh, there will be more, more, more happening over the next couple weeks. And watch out for guys with a great tournament who get transferred. Uh, but for the latest on that, follow us on Twitter at Andrew Passaro, at ASMOS92, at Ghost Goal Pod. Uh, again, what a tournament. Alex, any final thoughts here? Or are you all talked out just like I am? Final thought is that when we eventually do get back to club football, just expect all of the rants from me. I've just been storing these bad boys for what feels like an eternity, but, you know, I've had the World Cup to sort of distract me. And thank fucking God for that, because if we hadn't had the World Cup this summer, I might be clinically depressed as a Chelsea fan. So, yeah, that's something to look forward to for all of you non-Chelsea fans who listen to this podcast. Tune in to hear a Chelsea fan weep. Yeah, it could get bad. It could get real bad. Uh, until next time, follow us and like us on iTunes. That do that whole thing. Thank you.